the long game, right? You have to work on your craft. So in addition to that, to be able to pour in this bucket, you also have to make sure that you're getting fulfilled. You have this light that's also being ignited in you so you can constantly give in the space. Being extraordinary is having a relentless commitment during the unseen hours to work towards mastery of your craft and focus on the fundamentals. Being extraordinary is about doing the little things right every single day. In today's episode, I break out my best dance moves with two of the NBA's top dance coaches, Amira Murad and Sabrina Ellison. Amira and Sabrina are the coaches for the Golden State Warriors dance team, as well as the founders of The Cultivate Code, a coaching, training, and mentoring program for aspiring and current NFL and NBA dancers. As you will feel immediately, they are incredibly passionate about their craft, very open about their respective journeys in the dance world, and have such a warm, infectious energy. I first met Amira and Sabrina through Instagram and immediately became a fan of both of them. Here is my conversation with the dynamic duo, Amira Murad and Sabrina Ellison. Ladies, it's so great to be with you both. I'm excited for a fun conversation. And I, I want to start by just kind of lobbing over an easy softball and asking what each of you thinks of when you hear the term unseen hours. Where, where does your head go? It is the time and dedication that is outside of even just practices because uh, our dancers, most of the times they are, depending on where they, how they learn and how they, their brain works, they need to practice outside of practice. And so those are kind of the unseen hours that we, even as coaches don't even have privy to. And so that, that's what I think when, when I think of unseen hours. Um, I see, I see it in two different ways. I think that a kind of like exactly what Amira said, like are the dancers we work with, they're so passionate about this, you know, their this industry and their love and, and desire to be this best performer. So it does go back to, you know, they make it look easy when they're out there because they're exuding um, their love for this art form when they're performing. So it's easy to look at them and go, wow, they're just so incredibly talented. And they are. But, um, you know, working in this industry for so long, there's just so many hours that goes into this craft. And it's not about being perfect, but it's being exceptional when you are so passionate about something, whether you're a basketball player or like our, us, like dancers, right? So unforeseen hours to me is like all the time and energy and love and passion that you put into something that you enjoy and love and show up every time. I like it a lot. And then of course, as you said, the result is the finished product appears effortless um, <laughs> to those of us that are just novice fans and get a chance to watch and enjoy. But if you knew how much work went in to making it look effortless, yeah, it's a whole new level of, of respect and admiration. So um, I guess there's kind of two routes that we can go. One is uh, the unseen hours that you all have as coaches and what you do. And then there's the unseen hours of the actual dancers, which you just started you know, down that path. Let's talk about what each of you do during the unseen hours to make sure you are best prepared uh, to lead your group. Mm. I think like for me, it's, it, it starts off with like, Sabrina and I have talked about this a lot of like the morning routine, right? Because it is what sets you up for your entire day to be successful and to get you kind of in the right mindset. So like that is an unseen hour of like, it's not necessarily the work that I put in as a coach or as a dancer, but it is the thing that primes me to be at my, at my best at all times. And I definitely feel the difference um, when I don't do my morning routine. So what, what does your morning routine look like and consist of? Uh, 
approximate okay. wake up time, yes. what you do, all that kind of stuff. So it has ebbed and flowed because I, so I was on Warriors dance team for seven seasons, which we end practices most nights at 11 PM, uh, getting me home anywhere between, you know, uh, 1130 or 1230 at night, depending on traffic and, you know, where I was going. Um, and so I was, a I was a, not an early bird at all. That has been a true work in progress. So now I, I woke up at seven o'clock this morning and it was like a huge, huge feat, like success of waking up that early. But my, my true morning routine is read, walk, workout, meditate, and journal. And if it's not a workout day, then I'll, I'll I do always walk. Um, because I have a dog that she forces me to walk her. Um, but the reading and working out and walking and meditating, journal, journaling, all of that ties into like priming my day and getting me in the right headspace. And also like a key piece is, is that learning of growth and continued growth and reading your book, uh, Raise Your Game and hopefully the, uh, the new one as well has been such a, it's just like a great primer of becoming a better dancer, coach and mentor and leader as well. Thank you very much. Thank you. How long does that take you? Is that about a 60 minute, 75 minute routine to, to get all of that in? Like how, how much time are you reading? How long yeah. is the, all that kind of stuff? Or does it vary? It kind of varies. I try to read a chapter um, every morning and then depending on the workout and everything, 30 minutes. So anywhere between like 90 minutes to two hours, depending, like I have to also get ready. That's not including the the getting all ready of everything, right? So <laughs> that, uh, that takes like, it attacks an additional half an hour to 45 minutes onto the, onto the, the schedule, but it is, it's, it's lengthy, but it is, for me, it is putting in the effort in the beginning of the day to be able to set me up for success. And so like, I don't, I don't start my days uh, for work until later, like 11, but I also know that I will sometimes work until seven, eight o'clock at night. So that's the trade-off. Last question for you. And then Sabrina, I'm going to ask you the exact same set. Is it the same seven days a week or does it vary between the weekday and the weekends? I would love to say that it's the same all seven days a week, um, but it's it's not. I'm a little bit more lenient on the weekends. Trying sure. to, but I, I have a, a journal that has my affirmations. And uh, one of the things that says that uh, is I am consistent. And so like, what does consistency mean? consistency should be for me at least like expecting myself to do it on the weekends as well so that is my like work in progress of, of committing through the weekends of at least my morning routine of those things that I know that are gonna help me move the needle love that and I, I lied one more question okay yeah <laughs> how long has it taken you to kind of refine this morning routine and and make this your groove like if we would have yeah, done this yeah. interview two years ago was it the same morning routine or did, has yeah. it matured, I guess, for lack of a better word. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I, Sabrina will say the same thing. It's like, I really started talking about my morning routines probably in 2020 when I had a little bit more free time. And I was like, okay, how, how do I, how do I set my, my framework of the day? And it, there was, I used to be that person, especially uh, when I was on, on a team, I wake, I woke up, rolled over, grabbed my phone, started texting and emailing and went into super reactive mode. Maybe I got a workout in, maybe I didn't. And like, then I went, I pulled my laptop and I went straight into working. And so that is completely different mindset and, and execution on my end, because then I was just working the rest of the day. And so, um, I would say in 2020 or later in 2020, 2019, I started really getting that, that morning routine as like an essential piece of, of the puzzle for myself. 
Uh, love that. And like you said, when you don't do it, you just kind of feel off. And I, and I love yeah. that. That's one of the things that can help keep us consistent is how good we feel when we can stick with it. And none of us need to be worried about perfection. I mean, it's, right. we're going to have off days and you should be lenient on weekends right. if that's what right. your body and mind need. So uh, I think it's terrific and sounds like a, a great routine. Now, Sabrina, how about for you? Same, same set of questions, but would love to hear your response and how you tackle every morning. Yeah, I mean, well, honestly, Miro is a little bit of the the per, you know, we're we're very we're different, but we're similar in terms of we just tend to put load a lot on our plates. Um, and it was very much the same thing: work, wake up, and start working, and all through the night. And and it honestly, it just burns you out, and it's not really healthy. And ultimately, taking a step back, um, learning about her morning routine allowed me to kind of figure out and cultivate one that made sense to me in my life. You know, I'm a mother of three and I'm married. So taking that time for myself is so important to fill my cup so that one, I can fill the cup of my family and Mm -hmm. that we're mentoring. I've noticed such a big shift in just my own happiness that allows you kind of to be able to take a, a, a step back and go, okay, how can I level things up for not just myself, but my family and our dancers that were around. So even though it's like shorten your, your span of work time in, in a, in a weird way, it actually has improved the quality of work time because you're investing in yourself, whether it's working out or saying mantras or writing in your journal, that, that setup of success allows you to kind of really tap into your whole being that ultimately allows you to really focus on how can you leverage yourself to improve the programs or the people that you're, you're affecting in in their lives, because you're, you're, you're changing, you're shifting. So you want to help them shift as well. It is way more than just dance. We notice that our performers, you know, what we talk a lot, not just in coaching our NBA dancers, but in, in also mentoring our dancers and cultivate code is it's not just the dance portion. It's the entire package. It's the entire being it's nurturing yourself as a whole. So that when you're going out there to perform, you're shining from within, it's not an, a fake emotion. It's, it's an emotion of joy, of happiness, of really kind of knowing yourself. And we are always changing and growing, but it's like, how close can you get to yourself? So you can continue to show up in your passion, but show up in life as well. And so Going back to the routine, definitely it's important and it's a non-negotiable for me now because I notice that I burn out. I'm not as present if I don't give me myself that space. And so giving yourself that love allows you to give more love in, in return. I think it's brilliant. For context, how old are your children? Yeah, <laughs> they're arranged. <laughs> they're all girls. Um, so we, I have a 12-year-old um, and her name is Phoenix. And then I have a seven-year-old, um, Willow, who's our dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, we got one, one out of the group. And then um, my youngest is Sky. She's four years old. Okay. So then as does your morning routine need to start extra early before the kids are up and kicking? Or do you kind of get them up, get them out, and then hit your morning routine? Or what, what works best for you and the family? I'm blessed to have an amazing husband. That's <laughs> um, helpful. Literally an amazing husband. So, um, you know, being in starting company together and then being in a pro NBA space where, you know, we're a championship team, it, it requires a lot of you to produce t- time and time again. Um, he's taking a backseat to really help help make sure that our kids are being raised the the way we want to raise them. So I feel really, really blessed. So um, because we work so late at night, games and rehearsals, and then doing um, Cultivate Code mentoring dancers, 
he thankfully wakes, he's an early bird and I, I <laughs> so um, it works out perfectly. So um, I help, I help towards the back end and, and drive them, but he gets up and he loves to cook and all that stuff. So luckily I have that support system. So I don't have to wake up extra, extra early. <laughs> That's perfect. Now, uh, does he have the same uh, affinity for a morning routine? So is he getting up early to kind of do his thing, then get the kids started, then you wake up and meet him, get them out the door, then hand the baton to you. So <laughs> he's still able to fill his cup as well. Production. Yes. 100%. <laughs> he goes to bed early so that he can do his thing a lot earlier. And, and we make yeah. sure we both have that space. Everyone should have that space to like be able to like focus within because if yeah. you don't you're kind of in this rat race and i mean i'm speaking for myself i would literally burn out so it's so important to really give yourself that love and that grace and that time to grow within yourself yeah and it's so great that you guys are able to uh collaborate and, and work together so that you can both have that space and you're supportive of each other because you know um giving him the space to have his morning routine allows him to show up better for you and for the kids as well and then he returns the favor and allows you to do it so i I think that's that's a beautiful aspect of your relationship. What uh, if we really break it down to a granular level? What does your actual morning routine consist of? I mean, I know Amira goes for her walk and reads and meditates and so forth. <laughs> what, what does yours look like? I have the luxury of time. <laughs> yes, hey, um, yeah, you should take no, advantage of it. Yeah, she's amazing. Well, you know, so definitely, I like to wake up in the morning and make sure that I have a little bit of time with the girls before they run out the door and just give them that time. And then when they head out, like, you know, 830, it's, it's becomes a peaceful house when you have three kids running out the door. Mm -hmm. And then it, it's really like, I have to have coffee. It's, I literally have an espresso machine right here on <laughs> my office table. Um, and then it's, it's, I have like a little journal. So um, that prompts me. So like three things that um, when I wake up in the morning that really like touches me or I'm, I feel like um, is a gift in my life. So you just kind of start off with that positive mindset. Three things I want to release. I want to let go something that's like irking at me or just like pulling at me that I just need to kind of release into the universe and not let it push like bog me down. Um, so that's kind of like my first journaling um, portion of it. And then I usually do like a five to 10 minute meditation. So just quiet in my room and then I have to work out. So whether it's running or doing weights, like I have to do 30 to 45 minutes um, at least four to five times a week. It's just for me, it's kind of my sanity. I try to roll it up out in what, one hour. Um, so then I can shower and then start my day. You know, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I assume you guys are, are preaching the importance of this consistent morning routine to the dancers on your team and, and you're encouraging them to kind of find what works best for them. Uh, although they're probably in some similar scenarios with the late practices, the late mm -hmm. games, you know, it's probably tough for them to do early morning. So uh, is that something you guys talk about as a group pretty regularly? A hundred percent. We talk a lot about like mindset and growth mindset. Um, and also it's easy as a dancer, we uh, or like our industry, we want to be the very best. So like getting out of that perfectionist mindset and, and telling them like, take that time off, take that time off to be with your family or friends, all obviously show up professionally and, and, and ask for the time off and in a timely manner. But I'm like, it's so important to fill your cup so that when you come back into the space, you know, cause NBA games are no joke. And then dancers preparing to try out for these teams, you have to like, you, it's the long game, right? You have to work on your craft. So in addition to that, to be able to pour in this bucket, you also have to make sure that you're getting fulfilled and your, your light is, you have this light that's also being ignited in you. So you can constantly give in this space. So we talk a lot about like growth mindset, 
self-love, taking time for themselves. And the same thing, like the burnout. Like I talk a lot about like, you know, I was crazy. Like I had a kid and six weeks later, I was back at a game. Like I look back at that and go, that's not what you should be doing. That is not healthy. Like, so really kind of just like Amir has taught me, um, we all teach each other. I think that's the beauty of it, really, whether it's a dancer or it's a coach, we all tap into each other's frequencies because again, no one is perfect. It's about what gifts can we give each other? What can we teach each other? So it, it is really kind of like the values that we set, whether it's the dancers that we mentor with the Cultivate Code or the dancers that we're coaching um, on the teams. It, it's so important because that in the end allows them to go off on that court or on that field because it's not, it's not coming from a place of stress. It's coming from a place of happiness and joy. That was awesome. <laughs> and then they're just free to express themselves fully. I mean, I, I have so much respect and admiration for what you all do, but at the same time, I don't know a lot about what it is that you all do. That was why I was so excited to have this conversation. And it'll probably be very apparent that I don't know a lot by some of my terminology and or questions I ask, uh, but I'm definitely fascinated. Now I've been to you know, more than my fair share of NBA games and I get to see the finished product, but I don't get to see all of the unseen hours and what's done you know, for those routines to be, you know, just, just so amazing. So let's, let's kind of start at the beginning. You guys hold tryouts every single year and how many people normally try out for the team and what does that process look like? What, what are you looking for? Uh, how many returners do you normally have thus? How many open slots do you have on any given year? So we're going to, I want to try and keep this somewhat progressive and sequential. So let's just start out with what it takes to actually make the team. I'm going to backtrack you a little bit more of oh, the, the, the prep work that goes into it, right? So Sabrina and I, both of us did not make it onto a team the first time that we auditioned. And okay. so we, we know the, the pain that comes along with it, but also the, the lack that when we were going through it, it was, it was a while ago, but the lack of the preparation in the industry and like kind of the peek behind the curtains of like what it actually takes to make it onto a team. And so that is the exact reason why we started our company together two years ago called the Cultivate Code. And it's mentoring and, and training aspiring pro dancers to make it onto their dream team. And so like it's, it is, it does dancers a disservice to start prepping the, the month prior or two months prior. They're like, oh, it's audition season. Let's get going. Like auditions for NBA are, you know, anywhere between June, July, August. So depending on how everyone goes throughout the, the playoffs and everything. And so some dancers just start prepping in like April or May and expect to show up and be able to make it onto a team. And and we, we say it's like kind of like a whole person approach, right? It is so much more than just that dance piece that is going to be what makes you like make it onto a squad. And so the, the prep work, like we have offerings year round because it is what you are very familiar with is the training that goes into it, right? Kobe and Steph are not Kobe and Steph without every single day tried and true relying on their fundamentals. Right. And so dancers are athletes and we expect the same thing from them, um, but they also have to expect the same thing from from themselves. So the whole training leading up to auditions is such an essential piece that is looked over. Um, and so that's kind of the pre prep work. And it could you could audition for your first time and make it. You could also go three, five years without making it and then finally make it on to your dream team or a team that you've been hoping to make it on right and so it, it is all of that that leads up to kind of the audition process 
Oh, I love that. So, um, I, and I appreciate your vulnerability and acknowledging the first time you auditioned it didn't happen. And yeah. um, so when, when, when you got that, when that became reality, then did you, were you able to, to look back and say, okay, well, I just wasn't, I was deficient in my preparation. I'm not going to let that happen again. So I assume you took a completely different approach when you auditioned the next year. Yeah, my 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 audition process was very interesting. So I was on ASU dance team for a season. I didn't make it back onto the team. Tried out for the Phoenix Suns, didn't make it my first year. And I integrated myself with the like those who were part of the organization that were teaching classes so I could learn from them and become better. They ended up putting me on um, like the upper bowl arena team. And so I got to have my foot in the door within the organization, which was impactful because I was told, hey, like, you need to make sure that you're being the first person to say hello when fans walk through that door, right? Something that I would just never know growing up as a competition and studio dancer, like, we didn't have to interact with people, right? Um, and so that was just a missing element that I was like, oh, that opened my eyes. I auditioned for my second season, I make the team, go to become a, a veteran, hopefully, and I didn't make it. Um, and so that, that year was the year of the lockout. Um, and I went home to audition for the Warriors. And it was either you maybe will make it on the team because we're in the middle of a locker right, right now. So we don't know <laughs> everything that's going on or go back to ASU to finish schooling. And I was like, you know, what? I, I can, I can always go to school, but I can't always dance because there is this finite timeline. And so I, I chose to stick it out with the Warriors and I was then on the team for, for seven years and coached for three years. And so like that, like it was not a straight line, but it, it got me to where I wanted to go. And I learned from every single experience of like where my gaps were. You're so wise. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and hindsight always provides that clarity. It's easier to look right. back and go, yeah, that was a real tough pill to swallow at the moment, oh, but yeah. it put me on the current path, which I'm very thankful for. And it opened my eyes up to things that I can do differently. And that's, uh, yeah, invaluable. Uh, Sabrina, yeah. Is, your, is your experience or path <laughs> somewhat similar or what what did your road look like no it's it's you know i i'm not a studio dancer i actually did not even take dance classes um mine came more from like family honestly i'm half filipino half pakistani so our like our family gatherings were always about music and dance and that's kind of where my attraction to just like performance came from um and then one day i was like i'm just going to try out for my high school dance team and my best friend was in dance classes so we would be in the middle of our cul-de-sac and she would teach me jazz walks you know turns and footsies and i had like literally had no idea that this world even existed um and i just was hooked I was hooked when I made the dance team because there's something about, and you know, you coach a team, like it is a family unit with the same kind of thirst for the same passion, right? Like ours happens to be dance. And I just like literally fell in love with it. And so I just ended up just keep trying out for teams. By the time I was in college, I wanted to try out for the um, 49er gold rush and just kept trying out. I honestly probably did eight auditions before I made a, a squad. And mm -hmm. so why this is so passionate is even though Mira had a different um, journey, being cut from something that you're really like, that you're determined to be part of, it's easy to see people go, oh, well, I tried it and that's just not for me. Let's move on. And I think knowing that we had such different paths, but we still kind of figured out another door to, to 
enter uh, and like get that, you know, make sure that we were able to like be part of something that we felt like it was our calling um, is just something we want to give back to the community. Look, we're, we are no longer dancers on that field or court, but we want to make sure that we can help the next generation understand that it is more than just performing out there, that you need a no time management, that you have to have a positive attitude, that you have to be open to your teammates. So really teaching them the nuts and bolts. And like Amira said earlier, like peeking back that curtain and, and veiling, like, it's not just you doing formations out there and doing eight count. It's being an ambassador for these organizations. It's being this amazing, positive teammate. It's about pushing yourself um, to be your best version of yourself. And so we created this because we wanted people to understand that mindset. And now that we, we're, it just really ups the talent at auditions, honestly. Like yeah. our judges were like, what is going on? Why are these dancers like so much more prepared in their interview and the way they showcase themselves in their performance? So, and then once you have those mindset of dancers, it just makes the season so much smoother because they are locked in. They already know they're not like complete rookies walking it onto a team going, oh, I don't even know I had to um, put all these hours in to prepare for a routine. They're, they're, they're already aware of kind of what the, the duty is for this job. And, and I think it ultimately enhances them, but it enhances these teams in a positive way. Absolutely. Well, well, first of all, I want to commend you both for having the grit and resilience and the courage to keep going after something you're passionate about even when you were told no a few times. And, and that's not easy to do. So don't want to gloss over that. From an audition standpoint, uh, first, for some more context, roughly how many people are, are auditioning? And, and, is, and that's for how many spots? So that's one question. And then the next is, what does an actual audition look like? Are they showing up and are they learning a routine on the spot? Are they given a routine in advance? And if you show up and you don't know it, that's going to be obvious to the the, the judges like what keep keep painting this audition picture because I'm fascinated by it with the current team we have five performance teams so we have five dance teams I'll kind of give you more of a summary because I think sure. that'll be the easiest ultimately yeah. we have um, a couple hundred dancers that come out each year for any of the teams um, and some of them come from you know we have dancers this year that are from Japan that moved from Utah we have dancers moved from Arizona um, Texas like we literally have um, cultivated kind of a program that if you want to grow as a dancer and as a teammate that we just get a, 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 a flux of dancers that want to be part of our program and have pride in what we do. So it, it's a blessing, right? Um, but that first day is a cattle call. It's like open audition and hundreds of dancers are walking in the door. And yeah, it's, it's honestly, it can be upwards of 10 to 12 plus hours in that first day where they're learning a routine on the spot. And they have to perform it in groups of two to three, depending how large the audition is. Typically do a cut, maybe um, one to two cuts on that big day, depending on how many people come. And then you take those dancers into finals where you have interviews. Um, we check the recommendations and their social media. They go through a boot camp where we refine and clean the routine with the finalists, meaning like literally every, every body point we hit, like chest to the corner, one finger up tuck your arm behind your back. Your head needs to be leaning this way. Yeah, I know it's insane, but it's what allows them to look like a team unit out there. So they have to go through that, that, that movement with us to understand, like, this is how we clean as a squad. And then the end, 
of that like kind of two week process, interviews, boot camp, open audition, they have a final audition that's in front of um, a live panel of judges and um, a live audience where they do those routines in groups of twos and then they do their own individual routine as well. And then from there we select our squads. Our teams are different. I would say range from about 18 okay. to 18 dancers. Our senior team this year has 27 dancers. We went a little crazy there, but they were just so adorable and talented. But I'd say 18 to 20-ish is typically what we have on these different squads. It's actually, I'm not even mad. That's amazing. <laughs> What's the average age? Uh, this mid, mid-20s, late-20s, younger, older? What I mean, uh, I'm sure, I know, I know you can't, uh, I'm sure you can't, exclude someone based on age, but I would imagine there's kind of an epicenter, no different to the NBA itself. I mean, if you're trying to make an NBA roster at 60, you're probably going to have a tough go at things. Well, we have a senior team. So we actually have 55 and up dancers. Our is is 84. She literally does the splits and they're not corny. Like they're, they're talented dancers that that have different backgrounds, but our, our, our team, the team that you typically see on NBA and NFL courts, you have to be 18 and older. You know, it could be as young as 18. We've had dancers go all the way up to into their thirties and almost forties. So if you're talented, you have the time and you want to invest it in your, your dance career, we're, we're open to those people as long as they kind of fit the package of what we're looking for for our brand for that year. Oh, that's so cool. And kind of a one-off question, and I certainly don't say this um, to demean or diminish anyone, but is it similar to American Idol that a few of the people that audition probably have no business being there? No different than if I went to try out for the Washington Wizards tomorrow, they'd be like, "Uh, I'm sorry, sir, uh, this isn't going to work. Or are most of the people there like viable candidates? I think that we actually might. So Sabrina and I have been together for 12 years. So at all those Phoenixes, it, it tells me how, how long we've known each other, um, which is Phoenix is her oldest daughter. And so like when my first few years of auditioning on the team, it truly was anyone and everyone came out. But as like the education of the pro dance space has kind of evolved, dancers, which isn't necessarily right or wrong, they self-select them out themselves out of the equation and so like we've had a really amazing turnout in the past like five years of dancers who know what they're doing and that can and can do the movements and um they might not know what they're getting themselves into but they they actually they we have had a really great quality of dancers and Sabrina won't say this so I will it is from the program that she has created within the um the dance team and and the what you see on the court has evolved and grown in the past 12 years that I have been around it um because of the the implementation that she has done and so we we are getting these quality dancers because they want to be coached by her I I can see why that would continue to raise the overall level does everyone audition every year so even Mm -hmm. someone that's on okay so the they have to I go- had to audition seven years in a row. Like every year, kind of like it gets a little bit easier for the vets. Like I went to interviews every single year when I was going through. And now uh, it's if you're if you've been on the team for what is it, four years, uh, you don't have to interview anymore because like the whole interview process for us at least is getting to know you as a human being and knowing your work ethic, who you are, what you stand for, your like your core values. And it's not to like stump you on like you know, how many three-point shots did Steph make last year? You know, like that's just like not like a requirement for us. Some teams like NFL, they're very particular on stats and, and knowledge of the of the game. For us, because we spend three to seven days a week with this group, 
it is a lot and it's almost year round. And so it is really just making sure that these people are quality people and they are who they say they are. And so like we've taken off the interview piece for dancers who are um, with us for four years, but they do have to go through the audition process because if you're not willing to fight for your spot, there's other dancers who are, are willing to do it. And so it, and it, I was on the team when we were championship teams. And so that was, you know, July through June yeah. that we had one month off. And so like, I was exhausted my last season. Of course. I still had to fight. My fight wasn't as good, but you still have to fight and want it. And so going through that process allows you to still show that like you're, you're willing and able to put in the work that needs to be done. And like, as a veteran, you are a leader, you are showcasing what is expected through the audition process. And so if you don't show up in the right way and we put you on a team, it shows everyone who's new that like, that's the standard that's acceptable for the entire team. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, and I love one one thing that sticks to my mind that Amira has said um, a, a couple of years back during the interview, and it just I like love it, like because we look for character, right? Like she said, we're together so much. I'm almost with our dancers more than I am sometimes with my family. So character is so important. We taught she taught like I remember the statement. She said the people matter, and the people do matter so much more than just like talent alone. Because when you have people that are of the same mindset, you can move faster, better. Like you can, I don't know the exact what quote it is, but like you can elevate as a group because everyone's on the same page. They want to create magic together. They're of the same mindset. Um, so that's why I think it's over dance talent. We look at how's, what, what's the character of this person and how do they line up to build this family that we're creating? Because when you have a family unit, that's all locked in. There's nothing more magical. It's the coolest thing to see teams like really come together um, for an entire season, perform at rehearsals, like those unseen hours so that they can get on that court for that minute routine that they spent 12 to 15 hours preparing for and like really live in that moment and really entertain our fan base. Absolutely. Yeah. And the level of cohesion and precision required to do what you all do is is unbelievable. All right, so you go through this incredibly rigorous audition process, but you get to the end and you've got the final team. Uh, now let's start to paint the picture from there. Uh, what are some of the initial steps? Um, again, and, and you'll you'll hear my ignorance in some of the terminology and questions. But how how many routines are they learning at any given time? Like, do they need to know six routines before the first game? And what do those practices consist of? Is there some some general fitness portion and then learning dance moves. Like what, what are the basics and the fundamentals that would go into some of the earlier practices? I would say even before that, like piece, we, we have what's called a mini camp, which is like training of like, it's, it's almost like your SOPs for a business, but in like, how do you show up to an appearance? Like from head to toe, what are you looking like? How do you stand? How do you interact with people? Being that first one to say hello, how, like don't just wait for someone to come up to you and, and engage with them because they may be nervous to greet you or not know if they can say hello to you or what does that look like? So like every single element of you being a brand ambassador, you being a representation, um, you as a dancer, uh, time management, all of those little nitty gritty pieces, we go through uh, like, a weekend or a day and we dive into kind of rules and regulations and, and best practices and everything like each what's nice is that each organization is so different um 
And my time on the Suns was very different from my time on the Warriors. Um, but there are some standard pieces, but each organization expects their dance team to show up as a, a representative. And so for us being able to communicate that with teams uh, or teams with expectations of how to show up properly is like the base that's going to set up the team for the entire rest of the year. Because if you don't know, you don't know, right? And and so we want to make sure that our teams are are top notch. And so we make sure that that's a priority to educate them on that piece. Love that. So you start with a mini camp to build the foundation. And this is, I mean, we're going to go all the way back to basics. This is exactly what you need to do to represent our brand and this organization to the best. I love that. That's 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 beautiful. Yeah. yeah, you want to give them the tools so they succeed ultimately. So we start with that. And then from the dancer's point of view, you know, we have a shorter, it's it's a blessing <laughs> um, to have a shortened off season because, you know, obviously it's great to like go all the way. Um, but in that, you know, we, we basically have auditions, we onboard these dancers, um, they go through that mini camp training, so they have the tools for success, and then they're learning. So they've been in practice, um, probably the last like, three to four weeks and they've already learned 18 dances. Oh my so, goodness. Because when the season starts, it's fast and furious where we have two to three to four games a week. So you need to learn those routines on the front end. So as the season, as you're in season doing the games, you're then now focusing on cleaning the routine. So each routine goes to a learn, um, right. where we learn the choreography, then us coaches um, clean the routine and kind of go through all of the nitty gritty. Where's your body? Movements, yep. expectations for every single. So a, a routine is a minute and 10 seconds. Okay, and I was going to ask through every single movement of every single routine and make sure that every single person is on the same page from head to toe. <laughs> We're a little crazy on our end, but that is the, the, that is why dancers love the program that they, they are part of. Of course. Yeah. All right. So, and you have choreographers that are designing the routines. They teach them to the dancers. And then your job is to refine and polish and course correct. So that's, those are the three big players in this, the choreographers, you guys as coaches and the dancers, or is there another pillar that I'm missing? So the other pillar would be, so there is the choreographers prior to that. It's actually, it's actually looking at the season and taking what the brand wants. So every game is not going to just be a regular home game. Some are going to have different marketing elements, whether it's um, hoops for troop or it's black history month or it's women empowerment month or it's LGBTQ plus night. Um, and so looking at the, you have the dancers learning, but you have the coaches figuring out what we want to do and how we want to show up in every single game. And we've been blessed with the Warriors organization. Like we don't just do dances on the court, like as you see on fields and courts, like throughout NBA and NFL, which is great. One yep. thing we learned from the pandemic is that we can take our creativity in the in dance to that next level. So we actually also produce dance videos, not just like filming the routine where it's like flat dancing, but like scene um we also execute lighting so it, it's 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 a little bit more um storytelling than just like hey here's the music and here's the choreographer so it's like panning back and go hey we want to do 
this kind of routine. Um, we want a video on the front end before they run on court. Like an example I'll give you is for opening night. <laughs> so like one really cool thing was like um, Sue and Ty. We wanted to do J Justin Timberlake's Sue and Ty. So it's like, okay, well, I like that song. Let's put the guys in Sue and Ty. So you know what? It kind of has like that old school, like piano vibe. Like let's get a lounge and um, do like the first 20 seconds in this lounge where they're, we have one guy that's kind of the lead and they're performing in this lounge with this piano. Um, and then we're going to do an edit where they go from that scene to like an encore performance. What does wow. that lighting look like? Um, what does the costuming look like? So it's a lot of like panning out first and then going, hey, this choreographer makes sense for this Broadway routine. This choreographer makes sense for this hip hop routine. So it's a lot of pre-planning. And then you work with their choreographers to go, hey, here's exactly what I want to storytell for this specific game. Um, and it's going back and forth with them about songs and um, ideas until you're like, ah, that's it. That's exactly where I want to go direction wise with this routine. Then they build the routine based off what you dis discuss as the storyline. Um, and then they teach it to our dancers. There's always a coach there so that we're collaborating with the choreographer. And then we take that baby and we clean it and then we set it. The set part is adding the layers of musicality um, and really kind of talking about their formations and how they're moving from one part of the field or court, um, who's up, who's down, like adding those different layers of intricacies so that's not a flat routine, but there's like different layers that ebbs and flows during that minute and 10 seconds. Oh yeah, you're in the big leagues now. So from the way you just described that, it's safe to assume that these routines aren't being repurposed year after year like this. These are 18 new routines. Now they might have little snippets of things that worked well in the past that you're piecing together, but but every year it's kind of a, a fresh batch, if you will. For the most part, we might bring like three to five like favorites, favorites that we maybe did one time last year and sure. plug back in. But for the most part, these dancers are learning um, easily 30 big routines. We also do collaborations within our squads. Like an example would yep. be like women empowerment. We did the, the um, little girls with our, our female gold squad with some of the women on the senior team and did this really like emotional, impactful, like women empowerment performance. Awesome. So you'll also have those collaborations that they do as well. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> and and <laughs> for a few more of the semantics, how many routines do you do during a typical game, assuming not an overtime or anything? And then how many times over the course of the season will they do routine number three, assuming it's not one that was meant for a specific tribute or a specific month. I mean, is that something, you know, cause that's the other part that's fascinating. The difference between the NFL and the NBA is obviously the sheer number of games, you know, NFL is playing once a week, NBA is playing potentially four times a week. Um, so yeah. What, what do the actual numbers look like with those routines? Back in my day, we did two routines per, per game. So we were, we had 41 home games plus pre and post season. Right. And so uh, it was, it was a lot. Um, now we have five squads. And so having the, the gold squad, which is like your core women's um, dance team. We also have our blue crew, which integrates into what we call our warriors dance team. So they, we do collaborations with them. And then we have, you know, the, the three other teams outside of that. So it will either be a golden blue or a gold, and routine, and then there's the other teams that integrate into it. So two performances you'll get from um, a, a Warriors Entertainment dance dance organization. The we do sidelines during fourth quarter or at any time that like you know 
Clay hits a big, you know, three-pointer or he gets excited about something, which is rare. So like everyone's on their feet. Uh, and so sidelines are kind of these pre-recorded or pre-decided um, on routines or little mini routines that go to any music. And so we do about four to six of those throughout the season to um, be able to show up and still get the crowd pumped up and excited. Those are normally fourth quarter, but could go any, slated anywhere. So uh, the the main team of the dancers, you'll see them twice, and then you'll see uh, one of our other entertainment teams as well. So you get performance throughout the, the game. Wow. I, I'm still just blown away by the sheer, I mean, volume, I mean, 18 dances. I mean, the, the level of memorization yeah. is, is absolutely uh, incredible. Yeah, any routine will get anywhere between nine to 12 hours dedicated to it, depending on from like a dancer's perspective, because they learn it, they clean it, we set it for in the formations at practice. And then before the game, we also show up at, if it's a, it's a 7.30 or a seven o'clock game, it's a four o'clock call time to yep. actually touch the court, be like, know where your spacing is. Um, most courts have like a little grid on them. And so we, we place every single person in like a very spaced out manner. That way it's uniform and looks, it looks really clean. Okay. Well, that's smart. And I appreciate you guys um, dropping the breadcrumbs to me for someone that doesn't know a whole lot about this. I'm just, I'm so fascinated by this. We're here to educate all on the pro dance and, and, and the unseen hours of what it actually takes to make it onto a pro dancing, right? Everyone thinks about the athletes and they think about, all yeah. the hours and dedication that they put in to become these professional athletes, but it is the same for dancers. And we want to, we want to be that guiding light of like the education of it does take a lot. And it is, if you are a dancer aspiring to be a pro dancer, like you're going to have to put work in and, and it's not just to get you onto the team, but it's also all the hours that it takes once you like getting onto the team is just the tip of the iceberg of all the work yeah. that has to come in once you're actually on a team. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the, that's actually the reward for making the team is the opportunity. <laughs> <Four to hours. laughs> and do most of the dancers have full-time jobs and work other jobs? So they're doing all of this on top of another vocation. It's not like the only thing they're doing is dance. Yeah. yeah, no, we have amazing. I mean, we have dancers that are teaching that are engineers. Um, we have a dancer that's a lawyer. We in, even on our hardwoods, we have a Supreme Court justice. <laughs> um, so they literally are either in school for full time or working full time. They're some of the most amazing people I've encountered. Um, and we have this like same love for dance. It's pretty, it's pretty beautiful and pretty amazing, but yeah, there it time management is super key when it comes to being part of a pro team. And we, you know, that's why in cultivate co we discuss all these things. So they're not shocked once they actually go pro, because like you said, there's all these dance hours. There's also thinking about nutrition and working out because you are an athlete to be able to fuel your body and be able to get through a minute and 10 feels fast. But when you're performing at that high level, you need to make sure that you are, you've got that cardio in because you need to be able to, be able to breathe through that routine while performing it at such a high level. Absolutely. And, and make it look so effortlessly, like you said before, <laughs> um, when the warriors are playing and Unfortunately, one of the players gets hurt and has to come out. There is a sub sitting on the bench that comes in and replaces them. What does that look like for you guys? So you, you said before, I think one of your teams has 27 dance members. Are they all dancing at the same time or are some people relegated to subs in case somebody gets hurt? Or do you just dance with 26 if somebody twists an ankle? 
That's a great question. So we actually rotate out because we know it's a long season. So we typically have, I would say, other than like opening night, because that's a big game for our dancers and the last um, game of the regular season, everyone is free to perform because those are special nights, right? And then of course, playoffs. Um, We don't want this, but the rest of the 39 games, we rotate about 16, um, 16 out of the 23 that we have on the traditional team will be dancing. So everyone gets rotated out just so that they can have time off. Um, one, their bodies also need that space to be able to heal. That makes sense to me. What does game day look like? Like what time are you guys getting to the arena? Um, are you going through kind of a, a, a dress rehearsal and going through that routine? The two routines you'll do that night. Are you going through them a half dozen times? Are you walking through them? Are you doing them as if they're live? You know, for me as a speaker, I've got kind of my pre-speaking routine and I like to get on the stage that I'm going to be performing and I like to walk through my set and I like to get a few, like, are they, what does it look like on game day for you guys? You are on the court at four o'clock. You have to be stretched ready. And like, that means as these dancers are in school and work that they have to figure out how to get to the arena by four o'clock. And so they're communicating with their, their work and making sure that everyone's on the same page. And so it's, but it's that professionalism piece that like that ties into everything. Right. So they're touching the floor, ready to start practice at four o'clock. Um, it, it used to be a little bit longer of a time slot, but a quick time to touch the court, walk the formations, do the routine. Um, and then whatever looks off, go back of house, fix things, make sure that it's right and tight for the, the actual performance that night. We are, are lucky enough to have a glam squad. And so they, the, the team will get ready, the hair and makeup ready. Um, sometimes some of the girls will have, or the dancers will have doors. So they will be, when doors open, they'll be greeting there. And then, you know, the, the game starts and it's full force of, you know, uh, quarter breaks and hot timeouts and all the fun that goes on. But uh, a seven o'clock game, four o'clock court touching, um, and you end the day at 1030. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm loving the, the parallels between the basketball players themselves and and the dancers. I mean, it's, it's very similar, you know, the, Steph's not showing up to the arena at 620 on a seven o'clock game night. Like he's getting there in the afternoon to go through what he needs to go through. How about the use of, of film or video? You know, I know players and, and coaches use that a lot as if on the basketball court. Are you guys filming practices and routines? And then is that for yourselves to evaluate and look at? Or are you watching that with the dancers and saying, hey, you know, I keep telling you your whatever, your elbow's not in the right spot. See right here, it needs to be at a different angle. Are you guys using film? Oh, absolutely. Film is, is, is everything. So we, we use, we try to get even our dancers that we're training Cultivate Code to get comfortable with film. Everyone at first is like, I don't want to look at myself. Um, <laughs> but it's, it, it's necessary because as a mentor and a coach, you can tell um, an athlete or, you know, whoever you're working with, with as for us dancers, like, Hey, your elbows off, or you're actually not um, executing with facials, or you need to hit a movement harder. You're very soft. Sometimes they can adapt if they've been in this industry a long time, but when you're new, especially you think you're doing one thing, but that visual proof allows you to go, ah, I thought I was slaying this part. Nope. I am absolutely not. I need to put a little bit more focus in this section of the dance. And so film is absolutely everything. Um, we film 
every step of the process during the during the learning, during the clean, during the set, and we even film on court the day of. And so it allows us coaches to look at where is the deficiencies and how can we elevate the performance as a whole. And then it allows the dancers to like zoom in on themselves and go, hey, yep, coach Amira said this or coach Sabrina said this. I see now and now I, I can I can like change it within myself so I can look like um, like a unit out there with my, my dancers. So film absolutely necessary and it's something that we we tell them to really like use as a tool to help them succeed and get better. That's the smartest thing I've ever heard anyone say about anything. Film is such an amazing tool because it gives us a different perspective than we're seeing with our own eyes. I mean, I, you know, whether it's in sport or even again, m myself as a speaker, when I get to watch myself on film, I'm not seeing it through my eyes where I'm seeing the audience. I'm actually seeing what the audience sees and I can see my facial expressions and my physicality and my staging and blocking. Um, and it becomes blatantly obvious at times, oh boy, I need to do something different here, but I would never know that without actually watching film. So I love the fact that that you guys use that as a major tool. I'll tell you a little bit more about the, the Cultivate Code. So I, I, unless there's anything else you wanna share as far as the Warriors portion of dance, would love to dive into to some of the more specifics that, that you guys have with your private business. Yeah, definitely. So everything that, we have from an organizational standpoint with the warriors of like that learning, that cleaning, that setting, that same process has, we, we integrated into the Cultivate Code because it truly is what Sabrina has built into this program of um, like, we're meticulous. We are, we're, we're strict, <laughs> we're very straightforward, but we do it in like a, a loving, well, she's more loving than I am, but we do it in a very like constructive uh, calling for you manner of, Hey, we, we see that you are, you can be better and you're not, you're not living up to your, your potential right now. And so it is the safe space of learning prior to actually making onto a team. So you get to go through the motions of, um, the learning, the cleaning, the setting. We go through that whole process with our dancers. We have them film. We have it, a, a private Slack channel that they put in the videos that we give them feedback on because, you can only move so far so fast without getting the feedback. You can take dance classes all day long. We offer some dance classes and there's nothing wrong with that. But for you to be, I actually heard a really great quote this morning on, on having a coach and I'm not, I'm going to butcher it. So I won't even try, but having a coach helps you become the best version of you. And so it, in, in these dancers are investing in themselves and their growth through our different programs to be able to help them get onto a team and to be that elevated uh, dancer when they're at auditions. Because what you want the judges to say is, wow, I thought that person was a veteran. You don't want them to know that this is your first time auditioning or that you've never been on the team before. And so then putting in the time, the year or the six months or whatever it is for them to make it, um, it, it elevates their game and it, it helps them stand out of the crowd when, when they've really put in the work that needs to get done. It also makes them understand, and we 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 highlight this a lot for them because we've we're there's a lot more females in our industry. It's it's just mm -hmm. it's traditionally been, and also knowing being that we've worked with so many females in our life our lifetime, it's it's also getting them comfortable with feedback and making them understand that where is this place coming from? This place is coming from us to you as a gift because we want to see like we want to see you succeed. Um, and so we we kind of level it going like, hey, don't don't take feedback and like think you're not doing well. Take it so you can improve and, and kind of getting them in that comfortable mindset of like, 
Yeah, that's right. And they get to see themselves improve um, and get comfortable with that process before they even make a squad, which which is great. This has been so much fun. Uh, Anything that I didn't ask or anything I left out that you guys think is important just in the dance world at large, as far as the unseen hours or or anything else that you want to share? This has been exceeded my expectations. This has been so much fun. I've learned I've learned a lot for sure. Thanks, Alan. Um, I think like going back to the Cultivate Code, like our goal is to help sustain really the pro dance industry and help dancers um, get onto their dream team. But we also are, are starting to coach coaches um, and helping them with the entire process that Sabrina laid out. Like when it's your rookie season of coaching, it is a lot, right? Or if you take on uh, a semi-pro team or you have your college or high school dancers, like there, it, everyone is in this big silo um, in the dance world, at least for, for us. I'm sure it's the same with coaches um, in, in other sports, but how can we cultivate this community of, of a support system? And so it is everything that we do is community driven for either dancers and now coaches to be able to help them be their best. Because as coaches, we, we feel like we'd be doing our dancers a disservice if we did not help other coaches be their very best. And so if, if you don't want to grow and you're a coach, that's totally fine. You're not the right fit for us, right? But if you want to grow and you want to learn and you want to become your very best and 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 have a community that you can learn from, um, we also have have that as well because it is such an important piece in in our lives. And and so to be able to help other coaches as well has has been um on on our minds for a few years. And so we're we're finally able to do that as well. Yeah, I agree. I think for us, we're just so passionate about dance, but specifically pro dance. It's a how can we leave a positive impact in this space, not only for the dancers, but the mentors are so key. The way they coach is so key in the growth of their dancers and their programs. And so we just want to be able to share that knowledge and be a resource for dancers and coaches to lean on because we have the experience and we don't want, sometimes it's easy to, like she said, like you're silo, you feel like you're on this island by yourself and we don't want coaches to feel that. We want them to know like, hey, we are a sounding board for you. We want to share all the knowledge we've gained in, in the the years of experience that we've had so that you can also grow faster as a mentor. So you can have that impact on the performers that come in and out of your space. I think that was the perfect bow tie to put a nice cap on this uh, lovely conversation. I appreciate you both so much. This was really, really, really fascinating. Thank you guys. Thank you so much, Alan. We appreciate your time. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for investing your time with us. I hope we helped you raise your game and provided useful insight on how you can maximize the unseen hours. If you found this episode helpful, would you be open-minded to supporting the show? Would you be kind enough to share it with a friend or colleague? Would you take 30 seconds and leave us a rating and review? Those two things help support the show's mission and message more than you realize. And don't ever forget, a candle loses nothing by lighting another candle. If I can ever be of service to you or your organization, please visit allensteinjr.com or strongerteam.com for a variety of speaking and coaching resources. 